Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. The question of the day, is it whiskey with an E or whiskey without an E? My guest will explain and expand on the whiskey topic today because he's Brian Paymont, author of The Little Book of Whiskey Cocktails, published by University Press of Kentucky and available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook. And Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. What brought Happy you to be here. Absolutely. What brought you to the world of cocktails? Uh, so it actually started about eight years ago. I was living in Virginia with my girlfriend at the time, wife now, and we were renting a little apartment and she had started a small little garden. And I guess I was just kind of tired of drinking beer and wine. And so <laughs> went down to the garden and got a little bit of basil and yeah, so brought it up and made made my first cocktail with rum and fresh orange juice. And, and she saw that I was hooked and loved it. So she got me a cocktail set for my birthday and that was it. And then you got into the world of bartending or was that was that after or before? After. So I was actually, I was teaching at the time. I was a special ed teacher for four years in Virginia. And then her job brought us to Colorado. So we lived in Estes Park and that's where I first started bartending. They needed a, it was kind of like a hotel bar. And of course, you talked about your initial introduction to cocktails by going down to your garden and getting a few little herbs and spices, and et cetera. But when did you decide, once you were moved to Estes Park, Colorado, and start working in a bar, when did you decide then to put together this book, which is a great little book? In fact, I was going to have a highball while I interviewed you, <laughs> but I decided I didn't want to slur my words in front of our right. audience. So I, I let it go. But I actually, last night, I put together a highball, which I'd never had before. I, I've had bourbon, but not had a highball, and I followed your directions. The only thing I didn't have was lemon, but I just improvised and assumed the lemon was there, and I had a good yeah, time. Yeah, it still works. Yeah, yeah. still works. Exactly right. So getting back to my original question, because I, I went far afield even without me drinking a highball right now, I, <laughs> how did you decide to then put the book together after working a while as a bartender? Yeah, so I think... Just the popularity of, you know, everybody knows the old fashioned in the Manhattan. And I think a lot of that popularity stems from Mad Men, honestly, just because people fell in love with the show and that's what they're drinking. So, and I just noticed how many people came in ordering some form of a whiskey cocktail one way or another. And uh, so I was thinking, gosh, there's so many other great whiskey cocktails that nobody orders. So I wanted to kind of put, put together a compilation of some of the, wonderful drinks that you don't really hear much about or that people don't think to order or make at home. So just just a very wide, there's just a huge world of whiskey. So I wanted to let people delve into that a little bit deeper. And, and there is, in your book, you're talking about all kinds, not just what we think of as, as whiskey right, right. in this country. But I want to go back, because I'd be remiss if I don't go back to my intro, where I talked about Whiskey with an E and whiskey without an E. So for our listeners, could you solve the mystery of when is whiskey with an E and when is whiskey without an E? Assuming people yeah. don't know. Yes. Yeah. So whiskey with an E is going to be when it's produced in the United States and Ireland. And then without the E, so just with a Y, when it's uh, Japan, Scotland, and Canada. Why can't they get together and decide everybody should have it with an E or without an E? A before E, except would, after right. a drink or something like that. Right. I guess it just, their little claim to fame, I guess, each, each country. So, I don't know. I discovered something. I'm not sure if it was from your book or after reading your book, I was inspired to do a little research. But correct me if I'm wrong. 
I understand if a drink is made with all spirits, it's stirred, not shaken. Drinks like martinis, Manhattans, and Old Fashions are made with all spirits. Right, right. So a kind of general rule of thumb is if you're going to introduce citrus, then it's going to need to be shaken to help incorporate all the ingredients. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. You you interspersed your book with recipes and jokes. Right. And my theory is that if you start drinking at the beginning of the book, those jokes get funnier as you get to the end of the book. They absolutely do, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it's a little book, meaning small book or tiny book or not 9,000 pages, but it doesn't matter. It's still working very well. When did you work on the book and when when did you realize you were at the point where you wanted to complete it? Uh, so I've been working on the book probably off and on for over two years. So the, it was a lot. The most fun I had with the book is kind of getting all of the histories and kind of just where these drinks came from, you know, just all, and I do kind of a brief history on each drink. And also some of the ones that uh, I did, the original cocktails, kind of the inspiration behind those. I so, did- yeah, about two years, I would say. I tend to ask people about how they did their research. In your case, was it strictly bar research or was did you talk to people who go back in time to the beginnings of certain drinks? How did you how did you organize your research? Yeah, so I like when I first loved fell in love doing cocktails, it was from reading cocktail books. So I went back, a lot of the research is from kind of the masters like Dale DeGroff and Jim Meehan and uh, Gary Regan, and they do a little bit of the history behind each drink as well. So I kind of compiled it that way. Going back to, and using people who are well-regarded and kind of top of the class. Did you look for feedback from fellow bartenders and people who are interested in the subject once the book was done and you wanted to make sure you had all your I's dotted and your T's crossed? Yeah. I mean, and just in terms of creating the drinks, like the, I have 10 original cocktails in the book. And Correct. But I, I mean, yeah. I mean, not just creating the drinks, but the overall book, have, have a few colleagues read the book and make sure you're accurate in your recipes, not in your original stuff, because that's up to you for your, the drinks you created that are in the book, but just in general, the standard old fashions, Manhattans, et cetera. Did you double check it with colleagues and how you present, and did they like the look of the book? In other words, once you finished the book, did you give it to a few colleagues to look at in terms of the format, interspacing of jokes with drinks? I like that, jokes with drinks. And that kind of, that, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would kind of double check. I would go back and forth through books, you know, just because the book wasn't, by the time the book was out, the book was out, you know, so it's, I didn't have, I couldn't, you know, double check. Well, well let me rephrase this, Your Honor, because I'm going to, I'm going to get this nailed down. I'm really good about not, when someone doesn't answer my question, I rephrase it till they answer it. So I'll do it again. When you've completed your book, before you submitted it to the publisher, did you uh, share you, it with colleagues so they could go through it and say, you know, you have a typo here, or this drink should have an extra ingredient here, or this joke isn't as funny as that joke? That's, yeah. that's where I'm going with it. So I would go, yeah, with my fellow bartenders, I would kind of go over the drink and see if they would think there's anything I needed to add in terms of the history or how they, because a lot of times you can look at a drink recipe and you might find three, diff, three four or five different recipes for the same cocktail. So, yeah, it was nice to be able to talk with with other bartenders and people in the industry and say, in your experience, uh, how is this drink prepared? And then kind of getting, I, and then I had to make the final decision on, you know, what's the most consistent recipe. Sure, you're the author. Exactly yeah. right. 
on the original material, on the original recipes that you created in the book, and you said there's 10 of them, right? 10, yeah. Okay. Did you, on those, have friends or colleagues try them to make sure that it lived up to their expectations as well as your own? Oh, yes. Yeah. So you have to, I mean, you do, uh, it could be anywhere from 10 to 20 different trials of, an, of the one drink, you know, just to make sure it's perfect. So it has to be balanced. So you want to, as many viewpoints and opinions as you can get is, makes it even better. And of course, the final expert, I assume that you tried all of this out on, is your oh, wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we joke about that. I say it's a tough job, but you need you to try these drinks. <laughs> now, most authors I talk to are living in a cabin somewhere in the Northeast, but you're actually a professional bartender, and you're at the Dunraven Restaurant in Estes Park, Colorado? No, actually, we've moved. So oh, we, I'm okay. at, uh, it's called Ginger and Baker. So it's, it's a, uh, and the, the restaurant is called The Cash, so it's a, it's in Fort Collins, actually. All right, so you're still within the state. I That was the information I had, but, you know, in today's world, two days later, you're in another location. So right, I'm, right. Glad, I'm glad we cleared that up. So that's kind of cool that you could get in customers that will come in with your book and ask you to sign it. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I mean, we've had some people come in just from, from you know, they read an article here or there and come in and I could make a drink for them. So, yeah, that's that's the best part. I assume in your line of work, it's not just to come in for a book signing. They probably want a bottle signing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> I just have that feeling. They right. want the drink and the yeah. book and they want it all. <laughs> There's some interesting stories and things I didn't know. I, I mean, I, I admit I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but whenever I can learn something new. And in reading your book, again, it's a small book, but it has a lot of information. And you talk about the origins of such things as Irish coffee. And I do want to clear up one thing, because in your book, the way it was written about Irish coffee, I was a little confused, so you can correct my confusion for me. The way it was written is the gentleman used to offer it to tourists that were coming into Ireland, but, right. then, but then once it was successful, they started to give it to people leaving Ireland, unless I'm reading it wrong. So yeah, he would, Joe Sheridan would offer the Irish coffee to the passengers as they were arriving and leaving. Okay, great. That clears that up. So I was happy. I also enjoyed the fact that the Irish coffee has become so popular over decades. And is that one of your favorite drinks? Because I know you, you write a lot about all these different concoctions, including 10 original ones. Would you call, if I gave you a top five list from Brian, would Irish coffee be on the top five or the top 10? Probably top 10. It wouldn't make the top five. Who are, okay, let's go to top five. Who, what would be the drinks, including your original ones, in the top five? And don't make them all your original ones because that's cheating. Yeah. So, top five, I would have to go with uh, Vu Carre. Have you heard of that one? No, yeah. I have not. So, it's a New Orleans cocktail. Delicious. Kind of similar to a Sazerac. Yes, you mentioned a, Sazerac in the book. So, okay. Yeah. So, I would go with that one. Penicillin? Would, say, would penicillin be one? Penicillin, definitely. That's probably, that's my number one whiskey. Cocktail. For our listeners, before we go to the other three, tell us a little bit about penicillin. Penicillin is going to be blended scotch. It has a homemade honey ginger simple syrup and then lemon juice. And the great thing about that one is the float at the end. So you're going to do like a peated scotch float, just like the end of a bar spin. And then you float it on top. And it just adds just lots of layers of flavors in the cocktails. Just Very delicious. nice. Very nice. Yeah. And give me three more. So we were working on the top five based on. What yeah. So I like, I really like my cocktail. This is original Durango. So it's going to be rye whiskey, 
uh, mezcal, yellow chartreuse, and then I, I do a strawberry simple syrup and a roasted jalapeno. So you just get a ton of different flavors that you wouldn't normally think to put together, but it just works with the smoke and the yeah and the little bit of the heat from the jalapeno and sweetness from the strawberry. It's just well, you first start with basic ingredients, though, Brian. How is it that you're able to know what to try so you eventually create an original? In other words, let's say your basics are whiskey and maybe it's water or ginger ale or whatever, like a highball would be water or ginger ale. But in a case of an original, let's say you start with a basic material, whiskey, and then how do you know how to try it without saying, oh, this is awful, or I think this should work and I'll put this ingredient in? Yeah, I think it's it comes down to practice. So you just have to try a lot of cocktails and you kind of know, okay, this this tends to work well together. And then a lot of times the cocktails that I do are either, you know, it's either a concept you want to try or it's different flavors you want to try. So if you, maybe you want to do a drink for, I don't know, the World Series or something. So then you might pick ingredients that have to do with that. Or otherwise, like I wanted to try, it could just be a matter of, I want to try rye and mezcal together. How will that taste? And sometimes it doesn't work and that's okay. It's, it's just a matter of trying them. But I think as you try more and more cocktails, you get a better idea of what will work and you have a stronger base from where to start. So you're not starting in the dark. Nice. Time. Well, we yeah. were still on the top five and I think we have one more or at the most two more to go. We finished with penicillin, but I think you have two more of your top five listing. Yeah. So one... Do you want an original or? Either one. If you think, I'd, I'll allow you two of the originals for the top five, but the other three have to be standards. Okay. I have to go with the Manhattan just because it's it's so classic. <clears throat> and then I have one called Bad Apple. So that's going to be, it's a bourbon, absinthe, and fresh Honeycrisp apple juice with lemon. So the idea is, you know, absinthe was made with wormwood, right? So a bad apple would have a little bit of the flavor worm so not the flavor of worm but <laughs> made from wormwood so that's that's more of a concept cocktail right yeah. like how can i how can i make the concept of bad apple into a drink right so. i think tequila is the one with the worm so well it's it's mezcal is the one with the uh yeah it's made from wormwood and then it has the the joan which is the, the chemical yeah. right that's funny yeah. so that's it i think we hit all five right because we did two so. of your original and three of the classic or standard ones, because you're experimenting and putting together these various concoctions for your book, but you still have to go to work. So uh, I think the technical term is, do you go to work snookered after <laughs> having experimented all these recipes? No, I've saved those for the my days off. Okay. <laughs> Very responsible. <laughs> I, wouldn't still, I wouldn't still be a bartender. If I did yeah, that. that's probably true. Yeah. You know, I do, uh, but it's fun because I kind of get ideas while I'm bartending and then, you know, I can plan out the days off from trying different drinks. In your new location now, do you have a little card that you have available so when people come in and want to order something, you might, they might want to order something from your book? Like a card just to have the recipes? Not the recipes themselves, just the names and what they are so that somebody comes in and I obviously you have a full line of drinks you can sell at the bar anyway. But I wonder if that would be a value-added situation for the bar and for you, or somebody can come in and say, oh, you're the guy that wrote the book on cocktails. Do you have a list of the ones you've put together and you have a little card that has a list and they pick one and you make it for them? 
I don't have a card, but I, I do like to keep the book on hand so that if somebody comes in and you know says, oh, I'd like to try this from the book, I have the recipes right there. So I can, sometimes it's, it's tough because like with, you know, if I don't have strawberry simple syrup, you know, it's tough to make the Durango cocktail, but, but I can make most of them. So. Has the bar capitalized at all on your fame? In other words, are you are you known by management that you've written this book and you have all these things to offer? Yeah, I mean, I, everybody's been very supportive, so it's been great. And we do um, we actually have a teaching kitchen in Ginger and Baker. It's part of the part of the whole business. So I've been teaching some cocktail classes. So nice. I'm going to be doing that. Yeah. Well, I think you should have a book signing there if they haven't done it already for you. Yeah, and we and we sell the book out of the we're working on getting the signing together and we do sell the book out of the cocktail classes. So that's been helpful. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. What was the reaction of the people that know you once the book came out? You clearly can't give everybody a free copy of your book, <laughs> but they could at least see the one you have and maybe go buy one or order it. What's been, yeah, think, what's been the general reaction? Do they connect it with you as Brian or just they go, this, you, really, you had this in you to write this book? I think people were pretty surprised that I had a, that I had a book out. I mean, nice about it, you know, <laughs> but yeah, pretty shocked. Well, yeah. they must have realized you had a sense of humor because you're interspersing jokes within the book, with uh, interspersing jokes between or with right. recipes themselves. So. And that's kind of my favorite thing to do is put a little bit of my, you know, I like to put a little bit of my humor in there. And yeah, so I think people like to read that. And I had a lady at a book signing say that there's a drink called Eight in the Evening. And so it was inspired by the difficulties we had putting our son to bed. So each night at eight o'clock, we'd go downstairs after we finally got him to bed and we would make this cocktail. So that was kind of neat that she recognized that and enjoyed it. That's a great idea. And I may try that, and I don't have a kid I have to worry about at the moment. So, But still, I like the idea. And as I mentioned to you, I did, I did make a highball last night in preparation for our talk today. So yeah. I, I wanted to at least sample one of your recipes and work well, even without the lemon. As I said, we, we didn't have lemon. When you start to put the list together and you decide on the order, is there some rationale on how you laid it out? Is it by historical lineage or it's just I'm going to put this drink first, this drink second, this drink third. Yeah, I started with the it's not in historical order. I started with the old fashioned in Manhattan just because they're so well known that I wanted to get those get right to those. And then I kind of just we kind of just interspersed the originals with the classics just so, you know, as you're flipping through, I don't know, I think it's nicer to be able to see a few classics and then hit an original and then a few classics rather than them all being in one section. Okay. I just think it's more. What of all the drinks that you have, all the cocktails that you have, and I want to talk a little bit about the different whiskeys, but before we do that, of all the cocktails you have in the book, what one would you say is the most sophisticated? Most sophisticated? Maybe um, in terms of the, of the ingredients or the way it's prepared. And maybe that's the wrong term. Maybe complicated might be a better term. Probably the Sazerac. I think because of its history and it's a stirred cocktail, so they call it spirit forward. It's very strong, but it's just, it does take a little while to make it. And it's, it's, it's not as good as if you don't, if you don't take the time to do it properly. So, Okay. In the beginning of your book, you talked about the different kinds of whiskeys and we talked about the e-whiskey and the non-e-whiskey. Were you surprised at the number of countries that produced whiskey? I was, yeah. Yeah. And I really, I was, really shocked with 
Japan. I love the Japanese whiskey and how it's kind of modeled after scotch. Because if I, if there was any whiskey that I would reach for, it'd probably be scotch. That's probably my favorite. So, so I really enjoy the Japanese whiskey. What are some of the other countries that people may not be aware that whiskey can be made in? Which I'm ending on a preposition, but there's the United um, States, there's Ireland, there's Japan, as we just said. Scotland. I mean, it can be made anywhere. It's, you know, for well, that's there true. Are, that's true. It can yeah. be. But there's a certain parameter around what is a scotch. And, right. And you include in your book Moonshine. Have you had Moonshine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you like Moonshine? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically unaged whiskey, right? you know, so it's, I, it's not the first thing I would reach for. But, <laughs> but in de desperation, you would, right? If you had nothing else. <laughs> if it's the only thing in the cupboard, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what other countries did we miss? So I mentioned Japan, United States. Uh, Ireland. Ireland. Scotland, Canada. Yeah. So those are the big biggies. And, and you differentiate between those that are made a certain way in certain casks versus others. Right. And every whiskey is going to have its own laws. I mean, bourbon, you know, has to be two, at least two years and has to be made in the United States. And then there are just, you know, the amount of distillations, you know, it's just from whiskey to whiskey. I have a great idea for you. And if you do it, I want a little credit for it. And that is, I think you should have a Whiskey of the Month Club. And you can host it via Zoom for people outside of Colorado. And you just have a different whiskey each month, and you, everybody can chime in with what they think of that whiskey as they drink it. And it may end incoherently, but in the beginning, I think it'll be a lot of fun. That would be the most fun at the end. So <laughs> people remember the end of the session. Yeah, exactly. So That's I, a pretty good idea. Thank you. So you don't have to pay me anything, but just a little, we'll some. A little credit would be fine. <laughs> how, right. did, how did you decide on the format of the book? Because again, it's, I have it right here, The Little Book of Whiskey Cocktails. How did you decide on that format that it would be a small book, hardcover? Yeah. So we wanted, wanted to make well. something that's very user friendly. You know, it's it, there's no fluff in it. It's except you know, I guess maybe some of the jokes, but that's oh, that's so a, that's essential as you start drinking these recipes. <laughs> you have to right. The, the goal was to be succinct. Uh, I wanted to have very brief histories because I think people get overwhelmed, and I just don't think people want to read twenty pages about you know, the origin of one cocktail. So I tried to limit, you know, the amount of information for each one, but still make it super interesting. So yeah, that was the trick, especially if you're drinking whiskey while you're reading it, the attention span right. gets narrower and narrower. Right. And, and the idea yeah. was, you know, to be, make it a small book, like kind of a pocket sized, you know, gift item, just so people can pick it up for someone they know, maybe loves whiskey. And yeah. And who did the illustrations for the book? Uh, that was done by Kentucky Press. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. Very good. That added something to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because it breaks it up. You don't just have the recipes and the jokes, but you have illustrations as well. So that's a good idea to do that. Right. Do, you, do you see yourself doing a part two book at some point down the road? Not right now. This is just out. But afterwards, do you see yourself doing well, another another volume of either cocktails or some other libation? I would love to. Yeah. The Little Book of Whiskey Cocktails Part 2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there enough for a second book? Uh, I think so. I mean, you'd have to dig a little deeper, but yeah. I mean, if this one is, if people are finding this one enjoyable, I would love to do that. Yeah. How do you contrast cocktails? You've mentioned earlier on that you were hanging around drinking beer and wine and you thought you wanted to do something 
different, and so you went down to the garden. Does that tell me that you wanted more variety and that while there's all kinds of beer and there's all kinds of wine, you just were looking for a different type of experience? I think so. And I think it stems from, like, I, my wife and I both love to cook. So I think it comes from that. It's cooking is just trying different flavors that work together. And so I was thinking, well, if, if I love to cook, why wouldn't I love to make cocktails? Because that's exactly what it is. It's trying different, different ingredients and putting them together and see what happens. So yeah, definitely stems from cooking. And of all the cocktails you have in the book, is there one that you would recommend so that when you wake up the next day, you don't have a hangover? Is there one particular <laughs> cocktail? Uh, I would say do one that does not have a lot of sugar. So maybe stay away from the campfire cocktail that uses a mushroom or a kind of mushroom, a marshmallow syrup. Yeah, I would do probably, I mean, if you, if I have Manhattans, I don't usually have a hangover or anything the next day. So, well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Brian Paymont, author of the little book of whiskey cocktails published by University Press of Kentucky and available on Amazon. Barnes and Noble and all the usual places. And you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook. And Brian, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Had a great time. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.